Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, another Lippy, menu tasting, making cars, bonfires and herding sheep. Now, Lippy. Hello. I made a couple of boo-boos last week. Did you? With, with my mouth. With your mouth? <laughs> yeah. First one is I said cars landing on their feet. <laughs> it's not. They land on the wheels. Yeah, they don't have feet. And the other one was mixing up start times and end times. I can't remember which bit it was in now. But, uh, if you were co- if you were confused, I do apologise. <laughs> and I had a missive from Davros just as I was editing the last week's episode to say that the one before that, the volume was a bit all over the place. And he yes. was dead right because I tried yet again something different and um, didn't work. Oh, okay. Back to plan A. Back to normal. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for letting me know. That was uh, that was much appreciated. And I think you were slightly exaggerating when you said nearly deafened me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that's exaggerating. Yeah, I think it's a little bit. Now, I had a communique from the Screaming Tomato down under, and we mentioned his stepdaughter's forthcoming wedding. Yes. And turns out... Not only does his stepdaughter share the same first name as you, she is also a bit lippy. Oh, that's cool. Maybe they should be a lippy club. Uh, yeah, a Laura lippy club, specifically. Uh, he did also send over a joke about cat size and a pencil sharp, and I wish I'm not going to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very funny. Not appropriate. Yeah, we had menu tasting last week, which we was fantastic. Did. Oh, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I enjoyed all of it, to be honest. Yes, all well, I only ate the vegan stuff, and that mm. was awesome. I think, as I said, if I'd been in a restaurant, I would have picked those, and I would have been thoroughly happy with my choice. They were very, mm. very good. Even yeah. though it's mushroom, they're mushroom. But that's fine with me. Yeah, as long as, I mean, you're the one eating it, so as long as you don't mind that, <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> Yes, there's a handful of us fussy people. Mm. And you're pleased with the, the choices you've made for yes, the very. non-fussy? I mean, I still, I'm still dreaming about that tart, but I don't think it would have been a popular option. Leek and blue cheese tart. Yes, yeah, sounds very nice. Mm. But bl- people don't always like blue cheese, so... No, that's very true. No, it's it's not a um, it's not a cheese that brings people together. No, it is not. So we went with duck instead as the starter, and I think people will be happy with that. Yeah, I think so. It looked very good, and the beef looked spectacular. Mm. The beef really was presented. good. Yeah, yeah. the mashed potato was something else. Yes, I had uh, was it mashed potato with saffron. Was slightly different from yours, and it, it was the mm. mash is just perfect, there's no lumps in it, and it's yeah. not runny because sometimes yeah. you get it, it's a little bit too runny and a bit grainy. They put too much milk in it, yeah, mm. something not quite right, but it was perfect, delightful. Yes, it's going to be a wonderful wedding breakfast, there's, there's no questions there, yeah. So that's the last of it now, it's done. Well, I've got to go for suit measuring in a couple. Oh, of weeks. yes, you do, you do. Yes, yeah, sorry, I'm not involved in that, which is why I forgot, but. <laughs> basically done <laughs> yes basically done wife of grumpy said are you going to try and do some weight before the wedding i said well i'm having a suit measured i can't i have to stay at the weight i am mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Thank you, Duck Boy, for organising it before Christmas. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to go on starvation December. Yeah. I, on the other hand, not a starvation December, but not gorging December, for sure. No, it was quite a week last week for news events. And we're we're not political on this podcast, but I think there's a few things worthy of note. Firstly mm. was the I think it was the Daily Star who were gonna yes. see whether a lettuce would outlive Liz Truss's premiership. And premiership? they did well premier ministership, but mm. not premiership as in football, but yeah. <laughs> as as in prime ministership then. Uh, and which he did quite uh, spectacularly. And a few other things seem to have got added, a Greg's pasty and a keep calm. Uh, Mark. But I was slightly alarmed to see there were two union flags in the background and one of them was upside down. But I don't know whether that was on purpose or not, because that's an international sign for distress. I'm not going to lie. The star isn't the most intelligent tabloid, I would say. Oh, that's a bit, a bit cutting. So I, I'm not sure that they did do that on purpose. Well, there's two flags right next to one another and one's one way up and the other's the other way up. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But on the flag, po- on the poles, they're the po- the actual pole is the same way up. The flags are both over at the top of the poley bits. Yeah, well, possibly you can't see the very top. The stands. They could be on bunting. Yes, they could. Just the wrong way up. But who knows? Uh, yeah, we're not going to see the top of the photo. So, no. uh, yes, I do think that was quite funny. Mm. Has to be said, though, I think the amount of congratulations that got over the last couple of days, a, a government that has people who have to rely on food banks, baby banks, and now warm banks, I, you knuckle down and get some work done, guys. It's mm. not um, it's not good. Not no. good at all. That's it. End of political statement. <laughs> now, regular listeners will know that I have a high mileage Volvo V70, at uh, over yes, 281,000 miles. Interestingly, one of the YouTube channels I watch, which Horse Whisperer dubs as Car Porn, uh, the guy there <laughs> is is a bit of a high mileage fanatic, and he has just bought a S60, a couple of years older, a uh, younger than mine, with mm. 721,000 miles on it. He says we're going to organise something for you high mileage fans soon. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh. In the meantime. And this must be American because he uses the term junkyard rather than scrapyard or breaker's yard. He has a list of the high mileage vehicles that he's found in junkyards. And top one is a 1990 Volvo 240 DL with 630, well, just under 632,000 miles on the clock, which is not bad at all. Yeah, this is why I would like a Volvo for my next car. I've decided. Brilliant. Well, we've had two, and they've both been superb. I would like an XC60. Good choice. The newer ones, though, have a lot of electronics on them, and they're tricky to fix. Mm. That's the only thing I would say. I would buy a second-hand one. How well, old, we don't know, because I don't know at what point I'll buy one. But No, but you're unlikely to buy a 22-year-old car, like mine is. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, which is after that they started to get more and more electronics on them so which means they run better but mm. you know when they go wrong they can be expensive. expensive to fit so, or not sometimes there's a cheap fix you never know but also on there is a honda accord and honda are well known for the long life of their engines uh so mercedes-benz uh, another volvo 740 which we have one of those uh toyota 
Tercel, which I'm not sure what that is. And then the good old Ford Crown Victoria Police Interceptor, which has been <laughs> on many, many films, uh, quite often upside down. Like it. Uh, I like it. That was, that was quite a fun list. Now, Duck Boy was talking to me at the menu tasting about interest in a Lotus Emira. Yes. Yes. Of which I know pretty little about, it has to be said. But I did come across a video by Harry Metcalf, who I've mentioned on here a few times. So he's ordered one, which was actually going through the factory, and he got the opportunity to go there to watch it go through and to film it, which oh, he put on cool. his YouTube channel. It was really interesting. Now, in the 1970s, I went to the Ford factory at Dagenham, which I can only describe as noisy dirty, dark, <laughs> cold, and just generally unpleasant. Oh. And, and I, at that point, realised that I did not want to work in a factory. Mm, proper it, factory vibes. Proper factory. And bearing in mind that they brought in uh, iron ore and they were making panels on site. So they're, they're melting the ore down and they're oh. punching out the panels, which is, you know, it's a hot, noisy mm. process, which... In these modern factories like the Lotus, when you look at them and they're all bright and they're spotlessly clean yeah. and the car bodies are moving around on an automated robot that's very polite. So if it sees somebody in this way, it'll just sit there and wait quietly. No little beeps, no angry beeps, <laughs> none of that. And um, you forget that actually the panels have been made somewhere else and that could actually be noisy and smelly and, and yes, horrible. Yeah. But the contrast between the two is... Is astonishing, and I know that Lotus is a low volume car, it's not made at the same rate that Ford Escorts and Cortinas were made at Dagenham. E even so, it is so so different. And there's been a couple of documentaries on the BBC about I think the Mini Factory was one, uh, I think they may have done that twice now. Mini Factory, and, uh, and that's a completely different place to 1970s production lines, and uh, probably a very good thing, yes. Now, while we were at the hotel where you're having your wedding, I did notice an upside-down plug socket. There was, wasn't there? Now, I completely understand why it's upside-down, because it was on the skirting board, and the well, what is the top of the socket was virtually on the carpet. There was a couple of millimetres. So you wouldn't actually mm. be able to plug anything in. No, because the wire would then, you wouldn't, because it would be too close to the floor. But it did mess with my head a bit, I have to say. I looked at it, I even took a photograph of it because I could understand it, but it still annoyed me slightly. Mm, and then they were on, but they looked off. Well, that was the other confusion. Yes, they did look yeah. off because, yeah, you used them being the other way up, but they were actually on, which is okay. But I guess if mm. you're using a vacuum cleaner of some description, you're, um, you're going to need to plug it in and not have the yeah. plug halfway up, presumably, which is a bit of a listed wall because that's the old bit. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have any uh, plug socket OCD stories, we'd love to hear them. They must be out there. Definitely out there. Now, you contacted me with a, a few topics this week. I did. And one of them was the freedom of the City of London. And I have no idea what you're going to say next. Do you know what it is? The freedom of the City of London? Yeah. I think so. It's It's like an award. It's like an award you get given. And the only reason I know this, I was scrolling on LinkedIn the other day and one of the general managers at one of the venues I used to work at has just been given the freedom of the City of London. And do you know what it means? Does it have anything to do with keys? 
No. Does it have anything to do with sheep? Yes. It means that he is now allowed to herd sheep in London. Wow. It also means he's allowed to carry around a sword. Only whilst in London, presumably. Yes, whilst in London. He's allowed to carry around a sword. This is brilliant. Is he going to take it up? I don't know. I'll need to keep an eye on his LinkedIn to see. You would you would have to, wouldn't you? Like, the one opportunity to do something as weird as herd sheep in London, and you're allowed, you're like one of the very few people that's legally allowed to do it, you would do it. Well, would you believe it? Just a few weeks ago, on the 27th of September, more than a thousand freemen and ladies of the city of London exercised their ancient right to drive sheep toll-free across London Bridge into the heart of the UK capital. Fortunately, did oh it on a God. Sunday. They actually did it. I would love yeah. to go and see that. Okay, next year, let's go and see it. Well, I don't know if it's an annual thing. Presumably, your contacts will be part of that. So if they do it again, yeah. presumably they'll invite him. Yes, if he tips us the wink, we'll pop up there with a the camera and some uh, some recording gear. That would be brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well, this article here says that something tells us the sheep drive will return next September. Ooh, so okay. we'll f- find we'll out who organises it. Yeah, keep our eyes peeled for mm. that. That's, uh, that's, that's superb. I have one question, though. Yeah. Where do they get the sheep from? I assume they probably trailer them in. I mean, apart from going to the butchers, and those aren't going to walk across London <laughs> Bridge very well, I don't know where you go and borrow oh some God. sheep. Well, they might be a farmer in the first place. Well, I suppose so, yes. Or friends with a farmer. Yeah. I guess it's mm. from a time where the sheep were quite close to the city of London, because all of the what's now well, south of the river would have been farm, farm and marshland. Land, yeah. Very different in the uh, 12th century when this was introduced. That's a, that's a brilliant bit of finding out. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll keep an eye on that for next September. That'll be a great thing to go and watch. Now, talking of traditions, we started our bonfire building last Saturday. Oh, that's exciting. It is exciting. Now, as we were talking about, because many of us have been in the Lions Club for many, many, well, decades rather than years. <laughs> <laughs> it, it used to be that you would build it until you could see the top of the church tower at the other end of the village from the top of the bonfire. Ooh. But unfortunately, health, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, health and safety have got involved. So what took us four weekends to build is now down to two weekends. It's um, probably we, not the worst thing, because that bonfire every year scares me. It, it is a bit ferocious. Mm. The one in Ripley, now I've I only went to Ripley once and they put fireworks or not not fireworks but they put some sort of fire it's like a mini one that just lights and bangs okay in the bonfire well that is a problem that we've had in the past where uh people have thrown fireworks into the bonfire mm. overnight but before we've lit it um. so we've not put the fireworks in there we have had a couple of years where people have set light to it before the day yeah we've had to rebuild it quite quickly oh god Uh, the the advantage of only doing it two weeks before well it does a bit the advantage of doing it two weeks before is that the fair arrive next monday and nobody's messing with the fair nobody (laughs) messes with people from the fair whatsoever so they do a very good job of guarding it Mm. less chance of it going up uh but it was great it was you know we've not been together 
for quite a while like that. It's it was good fun, I have to say. Oh, it's nice. been hard work. I had bruises mm. all up my arm, but uh, yeah, but yes, it was good. Yeah, so we built the base out of um, pallets. We've got a height and a width that we can build, and then the greenery goes on it this weekend. Oh, but I'll that's be in Wales. the stuff that really lights up. It well, the pallets go quite well because it's softwood. Mm. Oh, I'm excited! I love a bonfire night. Yeah, and we've got a slightly different route for the procession this year, which is shorter. Oh, do you? Yeah, it starts from That's uh, probably Cleveland. not so bad. It's, well, it takes a lot of manpower to marshal that, and we mm. just don't have enough people. It's dangerous. So, uh, it's not dangerous because we take lots of precautions. We've got lots of fire blankets guess, and, yeah. and all sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, i tell you what is dangerous, and I think I've spoken about this before, is the launch of Beaujolais in France, where they have... A slightly lax approach to health and safety that's put it that way <laughs> and quite a lot of people who have who are drunk before they've released the Beaujolais and are wandering around with lit torches and that's that's quite worrying yes oh yes 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 yeah, so if you are in the Cranley area on the 5th of November it's on, actually on the 5th Saturday the 5th this year mm-hmm. then we do have a spectacular bonfire and firework display and we spend yes. a lot of money on the fireworks and it's it's a brilliant brilliant display so mm. if you are in the area, have a check us out on cranleylions.org and there's all the timings and where you can park. And Green all number, useful information like that. The 5th of November. Indeed. It's also um, one of my maid of honour's birthdays, so it's really easy to remember her birthday because it's the 5th of November. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Now you have a meeting booking pet peeves. Oh, oh. Oh, this might go on a bit then. No, it won't. It was quite short, but it happens a lot and it really winds me up. So I don't I don't know if all companies have this because I haven't had it previously, but this is the first like large uh, corporate, more corporate company I've worked for. All you have to do to see each other's calendars is add them. They're all on a share book. Everyone has access to everyone's, not necessarily always the content you can pick if that's what yes. if you're happy yeah. for people to see it, but you can see when there's stuff blocked out in their diary. At yes. least. And everyone has access to everyone's, they just have to search it. And on Monday, I was talking to the IT team and we needed to sort something out the next time I was up in the London office. So I said, Oh, I'm there next Wednesday. Can you just book in some time to go through this? They were like, yep, great. I'll send you over a meeting request in a moment. I have one, one meeting that day. One thing in my calendar. And guess when he booked the meeting for? Oh, it would have been for then. The exact same time as the one thing I have in my calendar that day. I was so annoyed. Because then I have to message me like, oh, I'm really sorry. I can't do that time. I have something else booked in. Which you would have seen if you actually checked my calendar before you booked it in. But doesn't it tell you when you book it that it's, there's a clash. It clashes. Yes. So you so don't even have to that. check. Yeah. You just send it anyway. So I emailed them saying, please change it. These are the times I'm free because you obviously aren't going to look at my calendar. <laughs> it really gets me. Yes, I, I can understand that. We use Google Workspaces and it's, it's, it's good, actually. We went away from Microsoft Office because of the cost. Mm. Documents isn't quite as good, but... The Google oh, Sheets yeah. is brilliant. I would say it was actually better in some respects. The fact you can have multiple people working on the same document and not mm. tripping over one another is super. Yeah, that's great. Anyway, yeah. going off the point slightly. Yeah. It does the same thing with clashing. It tells you whether you're clashing with somebody when you yeah. set up a, uh, a appointment. But what's really good is you can set yourself out of office 
and then it just automatically declines any meeting that somebody tries to put in. Oh, that's good. Because I can obviously set up a out-of-office reply, and I normally block my diary on annual leave days. But if if you ignore it, you ignore it, and you send it anyway. If I'm going swimming at lunchtime, I block it out as out-of-office, because then if somebody tries to set up a meeting, it will come back uh, straight away and go, yeah, declined. Yeah, that's, that's good, that. Yeah, it's worth mm. worth remembering that. Mm. It's quite it's a slightly nuclear option, but it does work. Yeah. Can you imagine what it was like before we had these tools, though, on booking a meeting rooms? You had to go and find the diary and write it in the diary and then just hope that the person who was senior to you didn't want it for the same time because they just turf you out. <laughs> <laughs> and there was never, you know, go back to the 90s there was never mm. enough meeting rooms in a big organization you're always struggling to find space yeah. to hold a meeting so in some ways being at home and zoom is much better yeah, right. mm. cheaper much, much better it, well, apart, yeah obviously cheaper but you can have more effective meetings i think you can also have ones that just go on and on yeah yeah <laughs> you can just have more meetings they don't need to be more effective <laughs> <laughs> quite microsoft do like a daily digest email now that you get oh, yeah. every day and then they do a weekly like roundup one it tells you i was i spend 38 percent of my week in meetings 38 percent mm. that seems quite high and then another 12 percent in unscheduled calls oh dear yeah, I spend too many times, too much time in meetings. I think I, you can get too hung up on these statistics. I, mm. I'm not keen on statistics. I can't even say the word. No, uh, it's it's dangerous, really dangerous, yeah. because you can Mice boil stuff down. To, don't make sense. No, <laughs> you can you can boil it down to one figure and it's meaningless. But people yeah. put quite a lot of importance on it. Which well, is, they were saying they want to start measuring our productivity with it. And I literally said to them, I was like, half of this isn't right. So no, thanks. Well, how do you measure productivity? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out at the moment. I was listening to the Stephen Bartlett podcast earlier mm. today, the Diary of a CEO. And he was talking to Christian Horner from the Red Bull racing team. Very interesting oh, yeah. man. Really interesting. And Not how he fan, turned... Well, no, I'm not a massive fan, but the way that he turned that team around mm. and the way that, that he's looked at the team, it is, it is very interesting. You can always learn things from people, even if you're not particularly even keen. Even if they're irritating. <laughs> well, he's irritating but successful, which makes him more irritating. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, and now I've completely forgotten the point I was going to make. About productivity levels. Productivity levels, yes. So he, they were talking about failing. And looking at ideas and seeing how quickly you can work out it's not going to work. And uh, Stephen Bartlett was saying that he's he's obviously done quite a lot of training with different companies. He said, you'll get company A, which will work out in a week that something's not, not going to work, and they'll mm. bin it and get on with the next idea. He said, well, other companies will take up to a year before they decide it. So you could look at it, well... Actually, if you took it after 11 months, you could say, well, we've been working on this for 11 months and it's going really well. And it's only in four weeks that you realise it's, it's not going to happen. We could look at the other company that have had 11 different ideas in that time, if not more, and may not have produced anything substantial, mm. but they've eliminated so many Duff products. Yeah, uh, it's Measuring productivity is a as a number is is just not right because part of that is working out how to do stuff 
and that takes yeah. time. So thankfully in the business that we're in, it is quite easy to measure productivity because it's based on jobs and product projects mostly. But the reason we're looking at measuring productivity is so that we can go from a five-day week to a four-day week. Well, that is a, a good bonus. Yes. So we're currently trying to agree a benchmark benchmark level of productivity for each department so that we can properly trial a four-day week to see if either our productivity stays the same, goes up, goes down, which is the least likely according to other case studies, and then it can be implemented permanently. But the productivity levels can be measured or can be checked to make sure that we're still on track. I'd be interested to see how this pans out. Mm. And this is a very serious topic. This is not like us. No, it's not. (laughs) I can only apologise. Right, let's move on. Well, actually, one, one last thing on productivity. I was in one of my productivity benchmark meetings and decided that I had picked the right manager to put an inflatable three-layered pumpkin in the background of my video. They loved it. Good. (laughs) Very good. Right, totally different subject. Yes. Friday Night Live with Ben Elton. I don't know what that is. No, well, I wonder whether it's celebrating 40 years, amazingly, of Channel 4. Because he used to, I think it was the same named programme, but he used to be... Very fast-talking stand-up back in the 80s. And he's recreated the programme 40 years later. He's got the same suit on. And (laughs) apart from grey hair, it could be from the 1980s. And just as sharp and as quick-witted as ever. It was was very funny to see. Uh, Mm. And obviously, over the last couple of weeks, there's been quite a bit of turmoil in the news. And, of course, that's perfect Mm. for somebody that's very left-wing. Yes, it was an entertaining watch, as was Julian Clary, who I've always been a big fan of. I think yes, I do like him. He's, he's very, very dry, very droll, very funny. Mm. Yeah. Um, one of the funniest things, I think, I was in a report where he said he moved to the country and he hadn't realised there was going to be quite so much mud. <laughs> that was his takeaway, too much mud. Too much mud. Love it. So I don't know if that's on regularly or not, but certainly the one we watched on Saturday, which presumably was a repeat of Friday, was was very good. Yeah. More good news. Yeah. Had an email today from the bicycle shop. Our fold-up electric bikes are in. That is exciting. Very exciting. Because we're having a little trip to Swanage in a couple of weeks, and the campsite is quite a long way from the town. And mm. rather than relying on the bus or or taxi, which is you very can get expensive, your electric you can get going down's okay. Coming back is the problem because it is yeah. all pretty much uphill. Mm. So I'm looking forward to those immensely. I did nice. check on the manufacturer's website and they were saying end of November. So I was very surprised to get that call today. Yeah, that's lucky actually. Yes, yeah, I think so. I think we just away. just got in. Yeah, just got mm. in. Well, they knew we wanted them for that trip, so they've... they've Maybe they did a little rushy order yeah, for you. Did did the deal. And I was insistent I wanted orange, which is unusual yeah. for me to be insistent is, yeah. on the colour, but uh, it was a very... You know how much I like orange mm. and black, and it's orange yeah. and black. So. Because they're electric, are they um, stopped at a sp- certain speed? I believe they're restricted to 15 kilometres an mm. hour. And that because was a conversation I heard, with Chris's mum. Yes, uh, you were. I forgot that you were there for that one. Mm. Yes, because apparently our local bike shop takes that off for you. 
Well, there is a group on Facebook. Yeah, there is a group on (laughs) hacking electric bikes. Uh, I don't know whether that invalidates the warranty, but Mm, my experience in the past has been it's something you can wire out or wire back in again. Well, your your previous experience or my previous experience of your building of an electric bike. It was heartwarming. That's what I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna phrase it. It was heartwarming. You were so excited when you had got it working. Yep. You came running into Mum and I. We came out to look at the bike. We're looking at it. It's going. And Mum and I st- stood there thinking something's not right with this. And you'd fitted the it backwards. <laughs> Well, I just swap the wheel round. I do remember that. I think it's very unfair. Oh. The overriding memory of that is that the wheel was in backwards. It, it was, was the front wheel, and it took thirty seconds to swap round. I it know, but it was problem. it was just so like how happy you were that it was done. And then we came out. We were like, "What is going on? That's definitely not the right way." <laughs> there was a considerable worse aspect of that project. Oh, was there? When, yes, Wife of Grumpy and I were away in France, we took the bikes with us. Mm. And we're going down this very long hill, not particularly steep. And I'm being left behind and I'm pedaling like mad. And Wife of Grumpy is, is literally half a mile in front of me by the bottom of the slope. Hey, what on earth is going on? Yeah. And we get back to the camper van. Oh, I'm going to have a bit of a fiddle. And I tried turning the front wheel with the motor on it. And it was like, it was in treacle. Was so uh, much drag for the motor when the battery wasn't connected. Yeah, these. So it was going in reverse. From that. Yeah. Well, almost. It might as well have been. <laughs> so hopefully these won't be the same. But I had, I did do a trial with the electric off, and it was absolutely fine. Yes, looking forward to those immensely, and we'll give those a good airing. You'll have to do Actually, a little video. Oh, I will do a little of video. Them going. We'll do one, and we've got a bonfire meeting on. We're picking up Monday morning or Monday evening in the local pub, so I shall scoot down on that. that. Mm. Uh, Drunk cycling is still illegal, FYI. That's also very dangerous. Yes. We know a number of people that have come a cropper due to that, so we won't be repeating that exercise. Anyway, the last thing on your list of things was weird things dyslexia make you do. Well, it was actually phrased... Things that my dyslexia does that makes me look weird. Yeah, I paraphrased it. Yeah, more that way round than the other way round. I had two instances this week. I don't know if I'm just going through a bad spell. Sometimes I have bad spells, I feel like. I think where I'm busy and a bit more tired than normal, my coping mechanisms or the the tricks I use to make it better don't work. (laughs) Yes, that's true. I think if you're Mm. tired, you have to... You do have to work quite hard for it not to be a problem. Yeah, so um, the first thing that happened was I was in London on Monday. On a Monday, I go in with Duck Boy because he goes in at normal-ish time. So I go in with him, get on the train. Then I come back on the train, pick the car up and go and pick him up from his office because it's about a 10, 15-minute walk. So I wait outside his office until he's finished. So I text wife of Grumpy, mother, to say, oh, I should be walking to the car about... 5 30 you free for a chat and she said yep yeah, i've got a client until 5 20 and then another one at six and I was like, oh perfect loads of time so on the train home and we're texting which firstly i thought was weird because i was like i'm sure you're meant to be working right now but i just kind of didn't think anything of it texting and and i said something about calling her and she came back 
saying, yeah, that's fine. I'm not, I haven't got work until half seven. But my lovely brain of mine read it as 17.30. Ah. Which really can, so then I messaged saying, oh, I thought you were working until 5.20. And I assumed they've cancelled because you're messaging me. And then you didn't have anyone till six. And she was like, yeah, no, I do have someone at six. And I was so confused trying to reread these messages. And then all of a sudden the penny drops. And I was like, I've put a one in front of that seven. And I thought it was five. (laughs) Very easily done. Mm. But but to be honest, because I was messaging wife of Grumpy, I did just assume it was her that got confused. (laughs) That's a fair assumption. (laughs) Fortunately, she very rarely listens to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's in my head I'm there like what is she talking about she, I yeah. was like you told me it was six and she was like yeah I know and I was like why are you being weird you're really confusing me and then I yeah. clicked and I was like oh it was me the whole time um, but that one wasn't too bad because obviously she's weird in her own right so it didn't wasn't too bad but today's today's made me look like an absolute wally oh dear I was on my day one of my mental health first aiders course which is incredible, by the way. If anyone's interested, 100% go and do one because they are really interesting. And I learned a lot and I'm back for day two tomorrow. So I didn't embarrass Very myself good. that badly. And as a dyslexic person, you're given an instruction. Actually, no, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask you what you would do. If someone okay. said, write down your name, what would you write? My name. Well, as uh, your full if, name, first yes. name and surname. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's what I did, right? So my full name is on this sticker that is then on my jumper. Mm-hmm. I look around and everyone else has just put their first name in really nice big writing so you can actually read it. And I was like, damn, that's what I was meant to have done. Well, not necessarily. Well, everyone else did it. Everyone else had their ne- their first name in like, you couldn't even read my name because it was so small so that I could well, fit my whole name on this sticker. Yeah, but the thing is, everybody's made an assumption because the instructions are not clear enough. Yeah, but I did look like a Wally. I was just walking around with my full name. No, and not who at all. I that's, If you ever been to anything though that's like that kind of environment, and it's always just your first name, it's never your full name. Well, they they need to put first name in my. Opinion, I know. I did feel like a bit enough. of a Wally, but that is a dyslexic thing. You get you get given a task and you can you can do it. You get told what to do and you do exactly what you've been told. Less, well, that, uh, wiggle yes, r- less interpretation or wiggle room around the edges. You just do what you were told. So I don't think that's got anything to do with dyslexia. I think it's it's mm-hmm. just interpreting what's been said. I don't. I, don't, I, I was don't... the only dyslexic person though, and the only well, one that did it differently. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I was at a conference a while back, and the guy uh, was doing the presentation. Said, "Well, I've got a free Amazon Alexa to give away." to the person that can answer this question. And he said, now, my son is autistic. Mm. And he came in and he said, could I have some grapes, please, Dad? And I said, yes, if you want to. So my question is, how many grapes did he take? Two. Yeah. Because he he parsed that statement, mm. literally. Whereas a lot of people would have just just taken whatever they wanted rather than the two. Yeah. I see how, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's interpretation That's of a it, weird way it? for him to have phrased that, though. Not going to lie. Like, who, if you ask someone for something, you don't say, if you want to. Just say yes. We all say things a bit... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> a bit weirdly. I, was, I as, really read into that. <laughs> yeah, and as editor of this podcast, I know <laughs> we say things weirdly. <laughs> yeah. And I cut most of them out. Do you? 
Yes. Well, I I wouldn't give yourself a hard time about that because no. I think that that is interpretation. If a policeman came up to you and said, "What's your name?" you wouldn't just say Lippy, would you? Yeah, probably. Well, well, it's probably wise. We'll give somebody else's name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not legal advice, incidentally. Yeah. So, do you have? Oh, actually, mm. I I was be reading some things about speaking, and it was. Um, quite dismissive about starting statements with the word so why is that because it means therefore so you would put it in the middle of a sentence but you wouldn't start a sentence with it grammatically Uh, i have been quite conscious of that but it still comes out of my mouth from time to time and i also reminded peter gabriel had an album called so and i think great production (laughs) company is called so so do you have a a top tip for us this week I do, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I do. Well, no. Uh, well, I have a funny story. That'll do. Right, we'll do that. It kind of could be a top tip, but actually I don't think we should endorse the behaviour that I displayed oh, no. today. It's not bad behaviour. I just, it doesn't, I gave a stranger a lift home today. That's, yes. Yeah, not a top tip. However, they weren't a complete stranger. They were on my mental health course. Okay, that's slightly different. Yeah. So one of the gentlemen on the course was asking what time we finished because he had a specific train he needed to catch because his train home were a bit hard. He has to change a couple of times. And then we were all chatting as a group because it was in a break. And and someone asked him, where did he live? Guess where he lived? Was it very close to your house? It was very close to my house. Well, I never... How coincidental is that? Well, it's not too coincidental because the course was in Guildford. Okay. So obviously the people on the course, there's lots of courses you can attend. So they would live in a radius. So it made sense that he lived close to where I lived. But anyway, so me being the nice person I am was like, oh, don't worry. I can give you, I literally live there. I'll give you a lift. Like that's not a problem. And you know, when, as soon as you say it, you're like, is that weird? But then I, in my in my head, I was thinking, well, it's fine because we're both on the course tomorrow. He's there with his work colleagues. So yeah. like he's and it's a mental health course. Like you're a certain kind of person if you go on that sort of course. You're not. Well, you're know. unlikely to be a serial killer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, we got in the car and he was telling me about his girlfriend because his girlfriend has lived here all her life. And he's moved from up north down to live here. We're saying it's a little bit villagey for him he doesn't really like it but we were swapping restaurants because he's been to a load he's only been there Mm. he's only been here a year just same amount of time as me so we were talking about restaurants and suggestions having a great little gossip excellent so it's not my top tip to drive a stranger home but I, i would say my top tip is to chat with people that live near you to learn more things about where you live absolutely right yes yeah good piece of advice and a top tip in one exactly Well, my fun fact is about music, and specifically the composer Mozart. Uh, Once Mozart had to write for a singer he disliked, who moved her head up and down with the notes she sang, which quite often you see opera singers moving heads up and down. So he was composing a piece of music for her, for her to sing. So he put into it a bunch of quickly alternating high and low notes that she would bob her head like a chicken... (laughs) <laughs> up there, up there, up there, up there, up there, up there. <laughs> that's amazing 
Yes, I think that's uh, pettiness as art. That really is. Oh, I love a bit of pettiness. Yes, I'm going to have to see if I can find... Oh, it won't be a film of it because it's too too long ago, but there's plenty of opera singers that do the old head mm. bobbing. Let's see if we can find some. That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.